from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the it's the old tiny house podcasting. I'm Sir Perry Grubin. Arnold Perry Grubin. <laughs> Good morning. This is Michelle. This is Mark. This is the Excalibur edition. I was gonna say I just could not. I couldn't follow. I couldn't follow you. What is it, Lady Michelle? Yes, Lady Michelle. There you go. I am Lady Michelle. And Sir Mark over there on the soundboard. <laughs> We are speaking Old English, or our terrible version of it, in honor of our guest, uh, who also has a, I think Ariel, isn't Ariel a, an Old English derived, what's the etymology of Ariel, Ariel? <laughs> I only know the Disney character. It's, uh, my parents actually picked it because they picked uh, Hebrew names for all of us kids for whatever reason. The Disney character came out shortly after I was born, so I always tell kids she was named after me. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Ariel is joining us today from, it, I think, Wyoming. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And the unique thing about Ariel's story, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, is that I think she's the only person that we have interviewed who is living 100% off grid is that right guys? is that right guys? oh i don't know the guy in the cave pretty well, sure that's I, off yeah, grid that's true <laughs> <laughs> i should have said on a, in a tiny house on wheels it's 100% off grid there we go tiny house on wheels I, 100% off grid i, I don't know what about uh ethan waldman anybody know do you guys remember if ethan waldman he's in vermont i know he has this on property wasn't he in a bus no. No, Ethan Waldman had a tiny house, but I'm, I think he was off grid as well. Nonetheless. Nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Ariel, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Ariel. You. Your house you. is beautiful. We'll be here. Your house is gorgeous. Um, Thank you. Is that a tumbleweed? It is a tumbleweed. Awesome. Wow. Look nice. at Perry doing the name oh, drop come on. thing. Merry Christmas. <laughs> 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 what, I'm really, what I really want to know, Ariel, is how on earth are you living off, off grid? It's just pretty awesome well as far as how physically i carry my water by hand and fill up my internal tank i have a composting toilet and i have solar panels which provide most of my power except for when we have too many snowy rainy days in a row and then i have a little generator that uh charges up my batteries when there's no sun to be had wow where where are your solar panels they are up the hill, just uh, on the other side of the trees where you can't really see them from my house because, unfortunately, my amazing parking spot is on the north side of a hill hmm. where, in the winter, the trees block all of the sun. Mm. So do you own that property that your house is on? Absolutely not. There is no way in my life I could ever afford the property I live on, but the, the owners are super generous folks, and I do some work for them, and they let me park here, and it's pretty amazing. Do you, do you maintain, do, do you maintenance work on the land? Is that what you do? Um, somewhat. They have, it's like an 800 acre ranch. So they have a full-time caretaker. Mm. Um, but I am the caretaker's assistant when there's, uh, two person jobs. Hmm. What do you, what, and, and do they, they don't charge you any rent at all? They do not. Wow. How did you score that deal? Um, I actually knew the full-time caretaker, and when I was looking for a place to put my house when I was initially 
buying it. I um, had tried several people that I thought might be options who I knew had some ground. I didn't, it never occurred to me that somebody with this kind of property would even think about it. So I never even thought to ask. Um, but I was talking to my friend who is the caretaker here one day, not even asking about this, but just about that I was having a hard time finding a spot. And he said, Oh, I'm pretty sure you can park a, at our place. Well, I just have to ask my boss, but let me get back to you. And uh, they got back to me and oh, like a day and said, Oh, sure. Come on over. We don't mind. Wow. That's awesome. 800 acres. That's, is it a cow ranch? No, it's, um, it's mostly a private residence for the owners, but there, there are horses here. Some of the time there is hay that gets made, there is timber that gets cut. Um, so there's a variety of things that, that happen, but it's not really a, though those things do happen for, you know, it's not like a full-time cattle ranch. How far are you from a town? From a little tiny town. I'm about six miles out of town. From the closest but still small town, I'm about 12 miles. And from the closest town that's big enough to have a Walmart, <laughs> I'm two states away or a state away, two mountain passes and 90 miles. Yay. No wow. way. What do you do for work? I wait tables at a local restaurant. Really? Uh, for some reason, I thought you were going to say you're a professional photographer. Well, that's my hobby, but, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to buy camera gear with that as a hobby. So I wait tables to be able to pay my bills. So how did you how did you end up doing the tiny house thing? That came about, first of all, simply because there was nowhere else to live. Um, I live in an area that's highly desirable. If you've seen some of my photos, just because it's gorgeous and a lot of people want to live here. Mm -hmm. um, Where is this? the kind of place where there's not only, um, you know, mountains and stuff that you couldn't build a house on, but almost all the ground in the County is public, whether it's, um, BLM national forest or national park, about 2%, just over 2% of the County is actually private ground. So there's no room to sprawl because there's just no other private ground to be had. Wow. And that, that makes, um, housing very tight here. It's the kind of situation where people joke, but it's, it's somewhat true that billionaires have crowded the millionaires out. And wow. so the working force, uh, has a serious housing shortage. And I had had a roommate and she and I had rented a house for quite a few years together. And the folks who owned the house retired from the area and were selling their house. And so we became suddenly homeless and as I was trying to figure out what to do and whether or not that meant I was going to have to start a whole new life in a whole different spot simply because there was absolutely nothing available. Um, and by absolutely nothing, I mean, if you look at our local daily paper, there's usually seven to 10 full pages of help wanted ads and three or four individual ads for houses or bedrooms for rent. No um, way. That's so crazy. it's, it's fairly impossible. And there's a lot of people that are commuting from several hours away just because there are jobs here, but there is nowhere to live. And there's quite a few people who are making do with other alternative living arrangements like cars and trucks and vans and so on. So I thought, well, I don't, I like this area and I don't really care to move and, and start up a life somewhere else. So I could live in a camper van. You know, I've spent lots of time backpacking. I've lived out of my car before I could handle that. 
But as I was looking at camper van blogs and conversion van stuff, um, I kind of bumped back into the idea of a tiny house. I think I'd seen one years before where somebody just shared it on Facebook and I thought, oh, isn't that cute and never thought more about it. (laughs) But now when I was actually faced with looking for a place to live and thinking about the climate where I live, where it's winter for, oh, you know, seven, eight months of the year at least, um, the idea of having a a structure that's actually built and insulated like a traditional house compared to a camper or an RV or a van sounded like a really good idea. So I said, I think I'll do that. Is the, is the, um, I'm just going to ask this question. It may be, well, let me just ask it. Is, is the tumbleweed sufficiently insulated for that type of climate? Absolutely. Hmm. It's got uh, spray foam insulation. It's R21. Um, it's, you know, we get usually a few weeks in the winter where it'll be about negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit here. Um, and we've got, you know, an average winter gets 450 inches of snow this last year, uh, actually for the whole state broke all the records since they started keeping records since the 1800s. Um, so it was a super extreme winter and I'm super comfy and cozy in my tiny house. It's, it's not hard to heat that much space, and it is well insulated, so I, I stay very warm and cozy. I want to get to the cond- condensation pictures minute, on your minute, website, minute, minute. but first I want to ask where you where you are. Where is she? Uh, where I where, where in Wyoming? Where, yeah, where in Wyoming? Uh, in the Jackson Hole area, that would be in in the mountains of the northern part of the state. Okay, you do have the billionaires pushing you out, don't you? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So so the um. So you, it looks like you had some condensation problems because you didn't have wood, a wood stove. Yes. When I first moved in, I just had propane heat. Um, electric heat's not a very good option if you're going to be off grid and have limited electricity and the propane works fine. But, and I, I knew that some people had condensation problems, but I just didn't think it would be an issue here because this climate is so dry. Mm Um, and the climate is dry, but still when you seal up a space really tight and then heat it up and then breathe in it and then cook in it, and then it's negative 30 degrees outside, you're going to get condensation all over your windows and then the wood around them and then the walls and so on. If you don't do something about it. Hmm, Interesting. So, okay. So you've, you, you found the tiny houses and you chose that because it's, I, I agree with you, a much better way to live in such conditions a bus would have sucked, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, or an RV would have been even worse. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, do you do you live by yourself? I do. Um, how long have you been living that way? Um, I moved into my tiny house a couple days before Thanksgiving, and this Thanksgiving will be three full years. So, I moved in right at the start of winter. So, I've just made it through my third full winter, but it won't be three full years till this November. Interesting. You um you have a a kind of serious affectation to your being the way you're speaking. It's not bad. I'm just pointing it out and I, I leading to a question. Um, where are are you are you always this serious? Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't know I was serious. <laughs> okay. But I suppose probably more so than some people. I mean, there are things that I very much enjoy, like wildlife photography and such. Yeah. But I've I've never been much into partying or I guess a lot of the things that I would consider more frivolous. So maybe I'm serious. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And 
And the <laughs> it seems like the tiny house living on a 800-acre ranch all by yourself in 400 inches of snow sounds like it's right up your alley, actually. Um, there are a lot of things I really enjoy about it. Yeah. It sounds like The Shining without the space. <laughs> <laughs> And people do say, well, what do you do? Don't you get bored if you're always all by yourself? And I said, well, I live by myself. That doesn't mean I'm always all by myself. I have friends like the owners of the property and the caretaker who lives on the other corner of the property. And when I'm at work, I wait tables. I see like several hundred people in a morning when I'm at work. It's not that I never see other human beings. <laughs> well, I think what I think the direction he was also going, if I could interject here, I... I <laughs> I think tiny house people, um, by and large, tend to be a little, uh, um, I, is the word anti-establishmentarianist? I want to say reclusive, reclusive, but reclusive? it's not really reclusive. Yeah, reclusive or introverted. is, a, yeah, or uh, anti-establishmentarianist or something, you know, that uh, they really tend to spend their time away from the people and away from the hustle and bustle of their of their lives, even more so than people in big houses, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll to some out. degree, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a turtle. <laughs> like a turtle. You peek your head out of your little space, and you look around, and you engage with life, and then you go back in your little space. Yeah. No? If I do a personality test, I definitely come up as an introvert. It'd yeah. be interesting to see a survey of all people living in tiny houses and see how many would uh, test as introverts versus extroverts. I think that's I, I, I think point. I would, too. I think I... Well, I know I do, yeah. So, um, wow, this is really interesting. So the... Again, so I, I'm asking these questions, Ariel, but I'm not criticizing your your life choices. Okay, it just makes interest. It makes for an interesting show. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, good. <laughs> so, you can criticize away. I'll do what I, I know, want. It, I'm not criticizing. This is a whole different tact. <laughs> Let's make somebody really uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know if I go with this one, Barry. It's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, what else? What else have you have you done? Like, it's it, this simple life seems super bucolic. It's like oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful life. I live on this wonder, again, this is not a criticism, I'm actually praising it. I have this wonderful lifestyle here in a place where hardly anyone can freaking live. In fact, it's so hard to live here that everyone who has a business here is looking for people to work for them and I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Is, have you always wanted to live this kind of a life where you have um, a, a job that's kind of um, low intensity i mean i know you probably deal with crappy employ uh, not employees but crappy uh, customers but for the most part i would imagine waiting tables is definitely something you could leave at the office when you walk out right yes yeah. and also i'm fortunate enough to have uh, small enough bills from my lifestyle that I actually only work three mornings a week. That's my normal schedule. Oh my uh, I don't know what people do when they only have two days off to do the rest of their life. Right. Um, but I, and it's not quite fair to say that I only work three days a week because I usually have some random other jobs, which can vary everything from helping one of my neighbors, um, who's a, an older lady with her garden in the summer to shoveling somebody's roof of snow in the winter. I usually have other projects going on, so I'm not just, you know, sitting around watching TV the rest of the time. Plus I live off grid and that, that does require some time to, <laughs> right. to do that work. Um, but my, my official job schedule is that I only work three mornings a week. Those other odd jobs that you do, are you paid for those or are you do, you do them like a favor to those folks? Um, some of both, but the majority of them I do get paid for. Interesting. Okay. And so you have a lot of time to yourself, huh? I do. What do you do with that time? 
Well, at my house, I do things like clean off solar panels when it snows on them and refill my generator and start it and go get water from the neighbor's well and put it into my water tank, um, you know, the kind of off-grid maintenance stuff that takes some time. Mm -hmm. And then in the winter, I shovel snow. And in the summer, I garden. I have a pretty large garden, and I really enjoy gardening. Um, and in between that, I like to hang out with friends. I like to go backpacking. I love cooking and having people over for meals, um, photographing the the gorgeous area where I live and all yeah. the cool wildlife that I get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to read. And usually if I'm doing any of those other things where I can't actually be reading, I'm probably listening to an audiobook. Mm. I don't know who else has off-grid setups where they've got a boom box listening to an audiobook while they split <laughs> their firewood, but I do. <laughs> I was just talking to Mark about this a couple of days ago. When you live in such a tiny space, the one thing that's interesting to me is you can't put off anything right? If you need to take out the garbage, you can't just let it pile up. You have to, and for me, the garbage is, you know, I got to load it in my car and then take it someplace else. Um, Plus I'm, of course, I have to go get my propane tanks refilled every few weeks. Plus I have my normal cleaning and so forth. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. you know, emptying the composting toilet. And so it's funny because we, um, when I was building my tiny house, I I was thought of it as a project and then all of a sudden it was done and it was like oh this is a house like it still requires all of the maintenance tasks Mm. but even more so it requires them right now Mm. there is no putting them off you're literally sitting in front of the garbage can or next to the pile of laundry or something so there's an immediacy about this lifestyle um in that you're really really immersed in all in your to-do list almost it's almost like you're constantly surrounded by your to-do list. Do you have any pets in your space? No, I had three cats for a while, which was lovely because I have a mouse problem outside my house. They've never gotten in the house and I don't think they could chew through the uh, metal trailer to get in the house. But somehow there is a some space where they get into my van on a fairly regular basis, which is a pain. And um, having three cats, which all came from other situations where they needed a home, was amazing because they put a serious dent in the local mouse population mm-hmm. until the rest of my larger wildlife um, consumed all of my cats. So no, <laughs> oh, I do not man. have any pets anymore. Yeah, I have a cat in my space and right now it's shedding. And so that's an, yet I have to add another chore to the list. Um it requires way more cleaning um, than I'm used to, actually, it's during shedding season, that's for sure. You're- yeah, and then living off-grid, it does, There, like you were saying, with the immediacy, um, you know, it's not hard to heat a small space, but it also doesn't hold heat terribly long because it's small. So if it's cold and your fire is out and you need firewood split, you can't just wait till next week when it's more convenient. You're going to have to do that right now. Right. It's it's the life that you're living is um, is something that I would imagine many people would want if they weren't so attached to the consumerist treadmill that so many of us are on. So you've identified you've you've carved out literally carved out this little niche of of time to yourself that is remarkable. Do you come from a family that prized that component of life? Um, to some degree, I grew up, uh, in Pennsylvania as part of a very conservative church group. My family was brethren, but if you're not familiar with the area, think of Amish or Mennonites. And that's a lot like the way I grew up. 
Um, so I did, I did do a lot of these kind of things. My family didn't live off grid, but, um, we did heat with wood and we did have a huge vegetable garden and, and grew or raised most of the things that we ate. Um, so some of those things I did growing up. Um, I think you'd also ask a minute ago if this was something I always wanted to do. I, I wouldn't say I ever had a specific, like, I want to live in a tiny house someday dream, but I've always liked having a little place that was all my own, whether I built it on the, you know, top bunk to be away from all three of my sisters since all four of us shared a bedroom, or build a teepee out in the woods. Um, I've always, I think, been in love with the whole idea idea of the West, even before I moved West. Um, and if I'd lived a couple hundred years ago, I'm pretty sure I would have been on a wagon train headed out this direction as well. Me too. So to some degree, yes, it's probably the kind of thing I've always liked. Huh. It's funny that you mentioned the tent in the backyard. I grew up in a really, really, really large family. And so whenever I wanted to get away from, from my family, especially like overnight, I, I would sleep in a tent in the yard for a couple of months during the summer months just to be able to have my own space as well. The, uh, uh, the Pennsylvania connection, if I may call it that, <laughs> that's rude. but um, we interviewed, Show title. we mm-hmm. interviewed a guy, um, a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. who is, who actually was, um, was he Amish? Mm-hmm. Who was yep. Amish? Yeah. And, and interestingly, he had a very similar kind of serious approach to our interview. He was mm-hmm. very calm and rational and um, just kind of like a no bullshit, but share the stories kind of kind of guy. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that you come from, from that background, Ariel. Uh, so what is, what are your, what are your thoughts about the, the tiny house movement? Obviously you found a, a place in it. What do you think about other people doing it? Um, I think it's a great idea. I don't I don't think it's the kind of thing that everyone ought to always live in a tiny house or that someday everyone will or anything like that. I think it's my hope would be that as it becomes more popular and more well known and as people work to make it more legally acceptable in various areas and so on, that it just becomes another option. Just like right now, you could buy a McMansion or you could live in an apartment or you could, you know, have a townhouse or something, you know, that a tiny house just becomes another option that works for some people in some situations. And, you know, at some times, maybe not their whole life, but it's just another thing that you could do. And, and is your, is your intent to always be by yourself or are you at some, in a, at some point, are you? I just can't. I, I as I as this question comes to my mind, Mark. I'm 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 criticizing my own self. Like, don't be this traditional. Anyway, um, <laughs> are you? So so again, I'm not criticizing your lifestyle at all. I'm actually fascinated by. It. Are you thinking at some point in the future of having children or having a family or or even having a, a long term partner or are you like totally content with this simple lifestyle that you've made for yourself? Um, I'm mostly content with the simple lifestyle. I definitely could see if it was the right person and I'm proudly stubborn and picky, so who knows, but you know, um, I would enjoy having another person around. I do enjoy having close friends and, and, you know, having people that I can talk to and even just somebody call up and say, Hey, a grizzly bear just walked by my house. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's just more fun to share life with people. Um, I don't see myself probably ever having children. Um, so 
yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'll always be all by myself, but I guess I'd rather stay all by myself than be in a house of any size with somebody I didn't want to be with. Oh, that's, that makes logical mm-hmm. sense, of course. What's the, what's the coolest thing that you've seen out there on that property in terms of wildlife? Um, I suppose probably most people would say bears are the coolest um, because not everyone has them. Mm. I get to see bears more frequently than some other things. So for me, it's almost more exciting when I, if I'm able to get a, a really good photo of something like a bluebird that just dart around all over the place and don't sit still, uh, that's almost more exciting. But I do get all of the big wildlife that the, the Rocky Mountains have to offer, and that is pretty cool. I have moose that walk right by my house. There's elk herds that migrate through. Um, do get bears. I woke up one night hearing a wolf pack howling outside the window, Wow! you know, and all those big things are pretty cool. I love the moose video you just posted a few days ago. For those of us that aren't exposed to big game like that, it's really, it's almost, I think what Perry's describing is almost an ethereal existence, right? Yeah. It's like hardly anything there. So it's so idealistic. It's almost. It's a Walden Pond. Yeah, it is. It really is. Right. So, yeah, that's that side of things is what, uh, you know, what a lot of people see a lot of the time. But, you know, living off grid like this and, and not to say I don't like it because I do. But there's also the times where you've been at work, you know, at a restaurant since five in the morning and then somebody got sick. And so you stayed and worked a double shift and it's below freezing. and You come home and you go to wash your dishes and realize that the water tank is empty and nobody wants to go get water to fill it up when it is below you know 30 degrees below freezing and then you got to go out and put gas in the generator and start it because the sun did not come out all day and it's midnight (laughs) and you're tired and you're cold and you just don't want to deal with any of it right now there is that side of things to the life (laughs) so it's not ethereal at all it's kind of nitty gritty dirty tired crappy sometimes a real lens on it all the time either you know it's just there there are both sides to just about any kind of lifestyle, I think. And here I was feeling sorry for myself that I couldn't find a needle in the thread in my in my <laughs> tiny house yesterday. I was like, this is the tiniest space I've ever lived in, and yet I can't find a needle, and I had to go buy a stupid <laughs> needle in the thread. It, it does make it frustrating when you lose something and can't find it because there's only like four places it could possibly be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, for instance, even when I was building, I would constantly misplace whatever tool it was that I was, and it would constantly piss me off. Well, again, it still pisses me off. Like, <laughs> this house is not that big. <laughs> there really should, stuff shouldn't be able to disappear at all. Funny. So when it when it gets that cold, Ariel, doesn't the well freeze? Um, no, a, a well, if it's properly installed, does not freeze. This well does not pump directly into my house. So it's, you know, it's underground, so that's not going to freeze. And then my water tank is internal and I do not have any kind of external plumbing because it would be very prone to freezing up. So I just pour water into the tank. It's full. I can, you know, turn a faucet on or a shower or whatever else until I empty it and then I have to refill it. But there's nothing to freeze. I see. 
It's like a freeze-proof, uh, they're called freeze-proof wellheads. I have one too, mm. where when you turn it on, it actually pumps the water all the way up to the faucet head. But as soon as you turn it off, all of the water actually in the in the head itself actually Drops drains back. back down underground so mm. that oh, it I can't see. freeze. Oh, so, and that's how all wells are built in this area just because of the kind of climate. Right, exactly. Mm. So, I mean, it could be 30 freaking below and you go out there and you, you'll have water all the time. Wow. It's really cool concept. That is cool. H- how many days does that last before you have to refill a water um i only fill mine every two or three weeks that's good Mm -hmm. i i just you know try to be conservative with my water use so um yeah it's it's not too big of a deal how do you how do you um how much water when you do in that period where you do have to refill the tank how much water do you carry at a time are you like the africans in is it Kenya where they jerry can on the head? they jerry can on the head? No, fortunately, I have a van, and so I drive my van over to the neighbor's place who have have a great well, and I've got a bunch of those um, well, some are five gallon, some are seven gallon water jugs like you might use if you're going car camping or something, just the big plastic right, mm-hmm. yeah, water jugs. And so I fill up enough of those to go back and fill my, I have a 35 gallon tank built into the house. Plus I have a tanked water heater. It's not tankless. Mm. So that's another 10 gallons. So, you know, I just fill up all my water jugs, go fill up all of that at my house and then I'm good to go. This reminds me of a conversation we had recently here in Portland. We had some cold weather and we shortly afterwards, we had a, we had a meetup group and everybody in tiny houses that had cold weather issues came and spoke and talked about what they did or didn't um. do correctly. And um, I should have dialed her in or something like it's amazing that uh, when you expect it to be cold all the time, that's just how that's just how it is. Yeah. You design it in and uh, that's just how it is. Again, sort of like uh, Ethan Waldman. He has the same uh, functionality in his. Uh, Ariel, where where is your water tank? You said it's not external. Is it under the floor or in a wall? No, it's in the, if you look at my kitchen design, there's kind of a dead corner space between where the refrigerator and the sink are. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a, an empty corner. It's got my dish rack sitting on top of it, but under that counter is where the water tank is. Are all houses of that of your kind built that way or did they do that specifically because you were moving to Wyoming? Um, I think with the general layout that I did, that is where tumbleweed usually, you know, because it makes sense because it's a dead space that's hard to use for anything else. That's where they were typically putting the water tank. Um, I could, if I lived somewhere where it was warm enough and where it was close enough to a well, I could always just hook a, you know, regular garden hose into that and never need to fill it up. But um, the, the closest actual well is probably a half a mile from where my house is parked and obviously any garden hose outside (laughs) in the winter would be frozen solid here so that's why i don't use that kind of option here Mm. who who plows the road that you drive the van on when that when you need to refill the water oh my amazing neighbor the caretaker guy he keeps that open because it's about it's a good quarter of a mile from where my house is down a, a dirt lane out to the you know paved county road um, and I certainly could not shovel all of that myself. Yeah. So I'm very thankful he's got a big tractor with a giant snowblower. Okay. Wow. You have really dialed in everything you need up there. <laughs> it's really amazing. <laughs> what kind of, what kind Oh, I was, <clears throat> I don't know why I didn't bring this up earlier. Cause I was so enamored with the pictures of the food that I presume you make. Is that food you make those pictures? Um, yes. I don't think I ever post pictures of anybody else's food in general. So, yep. That would be mine. Do you cook that in the tiny house? I sure do. 
are you were you trained to cook that stuff or do you just love to cook um well it depends i mean i wasn't trained as in i didn't like go to college for a degree as a chef or anything but i was the oldest of seven kids in a family that grew most of their food from scratch and i did have a mother who um, would tend to have round the clock morning sickness for most of nine months of every pregnancy and couldn't think about food. So I learned to do most of the cooking just out of sheer necessity when I was fairly young for, you know, a family of what ended up being nine people. Um, so, you know, I, I did learn it that way, but it's also just something I enjoy. Mm. I mean, I also learned growing up to how to wash windows and I hate washing windows, but cooking is something that I, <laughs> I really enjoy and is a not beyond sustaining myself. Um, you know, it's just something I like to do and I like to cook meals for other people as well. Hmm. It's interesting that you come from such a large family and don't want children. <sighs> Um, I just, it never interested me. I've worked with children a lot of my life. I've had quite a variety of jobs that were things that I enjoyed, but often were not things that paid a whole lot, mm. but I've done everything other than, you know, helping care for my own younger siblings from working in daycares to, uh, residential wilderness therapy program for teenage boys where I worked oh. for several years. Um, and I like kids. I, I guess the only way I could see myself ever having children was if, I was in the position to adopt children that already exist and need someone to take care of them. Yeah. Having my own personal biological child just doesn't interest me. Yeah. Fineth, Fineth, can you, what's the proper pronunciation and can you uh, let us, where did that come from? Where did that term come from? Um, I say Fineth, that's based on a Google pronunciation guide for Welsh, which is a language I don't speak, and it's probably not quite accurate. Um, but it, it is a, a Welsh, well, two Welsh words that mean my nest. And I just picked that because I've always, I've always liked Welsh and Old English, um, you know, like King James English, the way the King James Bible is written is, I know, hard for a lot of people to understand, but I guess growing up reading that, I've always just liked Old English, whether it's, you know, reading Charles Dickens or whatever else. I've always thought it was a pretty language in Welsh, which I know is not quite the same as Old English, but is kind of a branch of it. It's just a very beautiful language. And so I was looking for a cool Welsh name for my house. And that's what I came up with. I didn't realize we were that close. We who? You and her? Well, my, my empty, tiny nest. My tiny nest, oh, my empty yeah. nest, yeah, and yeah. hers is my nest. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't realize there was that connection. Now I camouflaged it by by hiding it under another language. <laughs> <laughs> so what is there in, That's what Perry did with his house. Is, the there, house. is there anything <laughs> else? <laughs> okay, you guys. <laughs> is there anything else that you got that you are fascinated with with the old English culture? Um, or is it just the language? I mean, I guess I find most cultures interesting to learn about or read about. Uh, I don't know that I find that one particularly significantly more fascinating than other ones. Um, but I just, for whatever reason, I've always thought it was a really pretty language. There are some other languages, a lot of my background being uh, Pennsylvania Dutch is German and I've always thought German was kind of a no offense to anyone who is German also or speaks it but I've always thought it was kind of an ugly language it just the, the sounds are not appealing to my ears not really <laughs> <laughs> 
So a lot of people that live in tiny houses love to also travel. Um, do you, of course I've seen you out and about, of course, at the various tiny house events. Do you travel very much? Um, not a whole lot. I enjoy traveling sometimes, but if I'm going to be out and about, I'm more likely to be several dozen miles into the back country with a backpack than on a, you know, airplane kind of travel to another place. Tell me about it. <laughs> Last thing I want to be on is an airplane. <laughs> Especially these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how are we on time? Uh, we got about 10 minutes, a little less than 10. Okay. So, so what brought you, can I take, yeah, go ahead. Can I ask? Yeah. yeah. So we start, um, we were talking about your tumbleweed house, but I think the selection of the house very, very early in the decision-making process is, is interesting or, uh, is an interesting story. So, um, why did you pick a tumbleweed? What, what did you like about it and what would you change? Um, I went with tumbleweed because, uh, like I said, I was having a housing crisis. I needed somewhere to go, like, now. And um, it was, we are headed right into the start of winter. I don't necessarily recommend anyone who wants to go off-grid start it at the start of winter in one of the coldest places in the country. Yeah. But that's what I did, and I survived. Um, so I knew I couldn't build one myself because I assume I could learn the skills to build a house, but I don't currently have them and I didn't have time or place or tools or any of that to do the building. So I was looking for a builder to build one for me. And at that point in time, there was not very many builders out there. Now there's quite a few and there's, there's I'm sure plenty of other good ones, but tumbleweed was the closest one to uh, my location and I knew a little bit about their, um, and I, I think this has since changed because now they do all their building for themselves. But when mine was built, they had a, a crew of builders working for them who were actually ex-Amish guys from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, and having grown up there, I know they know how to build stuff. So that appealed to me, and I was able to do a drive down to Colorado from here to take a look at their um, showroom model and, you know, be sure it, it was a space that felt like it was going to be comfortable for me and then worked out the design with them. And, you know, they've, you know, in my experience, they've been a great company to work with. And, you know, even after buying it, their customer service is something I have no complaints about. Did you, I'm curious, cause you know, you've kind of talked about a more minimalist lifestyle and I think the, the tiny, the tumbleweeds come in at about 60 grand or more. Did you finance that through them or through a bank or? I, I did finance that. I was actually able to get a loan through my local credit union. Um, my local bank wouldn't even talk about it, but the uh, folks at my local credit union were great. They said, a tiny house, what's that? We've never heard of that. Um, but because, and that was another reason to go with tumbleweed because I did need a loan. Uh, I, I don't generally like debt at all and didn't have any and, and don't have any others. Um, but there was no way I could keep paying the kind of uh, rent rates that things run around here and save up money to buy a tiny house. So paying the bank a little interest on a loan just made more sense for me financially. Um but they were willing to work with me. They were able to do it as an RV loan since Tumpleweed is one of the builders that's licensed as an RV manufacturer. I don't know that that is any particular pros or cons as far as the house itself, but when looking for financing, it certainly can make a, a big difference. Yeah. So I, I got a 15-year RV loan, um, which is 
getting close to mostly paid off. I hope by the end of this year to have that completely paid. Um, so that'll be great. But yes, I, I did finance it. And um, if anyone else is looking for financing, I highly recommend checking out a local credit union because in my experience, they've been pretty great people to work with. Mm-hmm. So just out of curiosity, side, uh, this is totally uh, out of left field, but just out of curiosity, has HGTV contacted you? Um, they're actually, we're not the only people that are fascinated with tiny houses in Wyoming, actually. HGTV is currently casting for an entire series um, of, they're, they're trying to get people to come live in tiny houses in Wyoming, and they're going to follow them around on their travels and in the cold weather. And um, have you been contacted by them or have you heard about it? Um, I had just seen the other day that, and I, I know it was in connection with HGTV, that the Wyoming State Board of Tourism is is holding a um, some kind of drawing where you can uh, win a all expenses paid six week uh, trip around the state in a tiny house. Um, yep, that's the I, one. They have not contacted. I had been contacted a long time ago now by somebody about being on the tiny house hunting show, but but I have not heard anything about uh, more recent things from them. I was just wondering about that because I was reading, I was reading the, the, you know, the requirements and what they were looking for for this show. And it, it, it sounded like literally, um, your life. <laughs> it sounded yeah, literally. I, I haven't, uh, haven't been contacted by them about oh, that's anything funny. recently. That's funny. Let me get back to the, the loan that you took from the credit union. Did you, did you finance the solar panels too, or did that come with, with the tiny house, with the tumbleweed, or how did that come together? Um, solar panels, I just paid cash for. Um, when I figure out, and I've tried to be fairly open about this because I'm afraid that sadly some shows like Tiny House Hunting, while being good for um, popularizing the idea, do not always give people realistic ideas of yeah. costs. Yeah. Um, and I have friends, obviously, you know, like Macy Miller's a great example, who have built theirs from scratch for very much smaller amounts. But I went, you know, like most people say, you can have fast, good, and cheap, and you can pick any two of those. Um, I picked the other two, not the cheap mm-hmm. option, but I got it fast. And, you know, had I been building it myself, went tumbleweed building it for me from a bare trailer to me moving in and them having delivered it up here to Wyoming was a total of six days. And there's no way on earth I could have built a house in six days. They built it and delivered it in six days? Yes. Wow. So, so I went for the quick, but, but there are added costs to the going with the quick version. Um, so when I figure out my total cost for the house, and tell people what the number is, they usually tell me I'm crazy. I could, you know, I can buy a four bedroom house in wherever I live. And I'm like, well, that's probably true. So it doesn't make sense for you to do what I did, but I don't live wherever you live and you can't buy a dog house here for that much. Right. Do you mind? But when, I, when I figure my total cost, it's right around $90,000. And that is counting what I paid tumbleweed, what I paid to have it delivered, the sales tax I paid to the local DMV, buying a wood stove, buying solar panels and battery and a generator that's what i figure is my total house cost now that is a pretty crazy number in the tiny house world where lots of people be like the whole point of a tiny house is to have it be cheap but for me living in this area which is pretty awesome for a lot of reasons um 
that I had spent that much in rent in the years I lived here before. So mm-hmm. from my point of view, if I live in this house for, I think if I do the math based on the average I've been paying in my lifetime here and it's only gone up, um, if I live here for 6.7 years, then I could burn my house down and I would come out one bonfire ahead of having paid rent. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap is relative. Yeah, it Cheap really is. Cheap is relative. Yeah. What are your What are your plans going forward, Ariel? Do you just see yourself being there for the rest of your life or what's up with that? Um, I see myself staying in this particular spot where I've got my house parked as long as I can. Um, the folks who own the property are elderly, so at some point, probably something will change with land ownership, and I don't know what will happen to my option to park here at that point. Um, but I'll probably stay right here as long as I can. And in the future, I've really been enjoying the Um, I guess, kind of getting to have an off-grid homestead version of life that I have. And it would be fun to do it on my own ground. So at some point, I think it would be fun to buy my own dirt, which would mean that I would have to leave this area because I don't ever plan to have the kind of career or work nearly enough years to be able to buy dirt here. Um, So I would be probably looking at somewhere else just in the Mountain West and you know, I can pack my whole setup up. So if I, if I owned ground, I could, you know, move in a day and set everything back up on a new spot, um, and live there. Notwithstanding that you live on private property, is it legal to live in an RV full-time in Wyoming or in your County? Um, yes, that varies by County and where I live, it is absolutely not. Mm. So is it because you're you're on private land that you're able to I've get away just with it? managed to not have a conflict because I am on such a big property and I'm so far out of sight that no one else knows that I'm there. Yeah. And so, you know, that's you know, this county has rules about if, you know, if you have your own property and you own your own RV, you're still not allowed to live in it. Wow. That's interesting. I wonder if it's because of the high Price. Which is one of those things that I hope people will be able to continue to change the laws about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked to some who are working on that. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been very interesting yeah. talking with and you. I... Hello? Oh, did we lose her? Doesn't look like we lost her. Ariel? No, I'm oh. hearing you just, it sounded like you cut out there for a minute. Yeah, we can did. You hear me? Like, yeah, we can hear you now. We were just saying um, it was Hello? Great. Hello? Can you hear I can hear talking? you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, I could hear that. Okay, so I was just saying it's been very nice having you on the show, and uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You too. And Tiny House listeners, if you have not subscribed to the Tiny House podcast, you ought to. Go to iTunes and click on the subscribe button. You'll get them delivered right to your inbox instead of having to go to iTunes to find them or to that blog that you go to that Ken Griswold owns or to the places that Michelle might post them. Or to our blog. Or to our blog or whatever. Just go subscribe. God damn it. Go get it. Drop the mic for God's sakes. We're done. (laughs) Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>